Good morning. What a fantastic time of worship this morning. So good to worship with you. My name is Jesse Ryder. I'm the City Center Campus Pastor here at Crossroads. We are glad you're with us this morning. We know our Guatemalan team make it back, so we saw them here this morning, so we're excited to have them back with us this morning as well. I want to talk a minute just about the City Center, let you know, I know not everyone gets a chance to serve down there, so kind of update you on a few different things that have been going on there. Uh, Just this past week, we uh, recently hired a new program director there. Her name is Monica Christie. You'll get to hear from her in just a a couple of weeks uh, about some of the the programs and events that will be going on there, so we are excited to have her and kind of see what what will happen there at the City Center with some brand new programs and exciting things happening. It has been a busy season there. There's been a lot of events going on and and counseling groups being there and just different things happening there, Uh, blanket distributions, all sorts of things, just all over the place. Really a wonderful but busy season in the City Center, so we are glad to have Monica on board to help out with some of that stuff as well. Uh, If you are interested, every time I'm up here, I just want to kind of give this offer to you. If you are interested in joining the City Center team, stop by Next Steps. Uh, You can fill out one of the cards and say you want to serve at the City Center. We have all sorts of different service opportunities available, all sorts of different programs and groups you can be a part of. So make sure you do that. If that's something you just kind of feel tugging at your heart a little bit, we would love to have you on that team there. Uh, Also, you probably noticed when you walked in this morning, it is Community Group Launch Weekend. So there are these books are everywhere. This is a great resource for you. So before you leave today, I'd recommend grab one of these books, read through it, think through it, see what kind of books and classes and groups make sense. You know, we are always excited when it's launch weekend because there's so many new groups and classes and things being offered, but not just because there's new things being offered. As you heard in the video, this is, this is how community is formed. You know, lifelong friendships are formed from these community groups, so we are so excited about these groups and what's coming up. I know at the City Center, we are hosting a foster parenting training class, so if that's something you've been thinking about and praying about or just talking about, that would be a great opportunity to kind of take those classes and see about taking a next step in terms of foster parenting. I know Pastor Doug and myself will be teaching a, a class called SHAPE, all about how to find your, your best fit and how to kind of best serve with the gifts that you've been given. So if you've just kind of been questioning yourself in those regards and wondering how you can best fit here at Crossroads or just in service in general, we would love to kind of help you walk through that as well. A lot of of different things going on. So make sure you grab one of these books before you leave. This is a great resource for you. I do want to take a moment and just kind of update you uh, a statement from the church uh, just in regards to Pastor Dave. So I'm just going to read something to you just so we can be in prayer together about this. In an effort to be up front and allow our church family to hold each other up in prayer, Pastor Dave's been battling some health issues over the past few weeks. This past week, he was admitted into the hospital with gastrointestinal issues involving a blood clot. There's much to be grateful for in the midst of this trial, and they are praising God for his intervention in many areas. Dave's receiving excellent care in Columbus as the doctors try to figure out what is causing the clotting. At this time, we'd request that you honor the Vance's family privacy and allow Pastor Dave to get, his, get the rest his body needs in order to heal. Pastor Dave and Allison are grateful for their church family and ask you to pray for them, for healing, as well as wisdom and peace during this time. Pastor Dave wishes he could be here with us and will be back with us soon. So I, I wanted to share that with you, but also let, let's just spend a moment and pray together this morning for Pastor Dave and his family. Lord, we, we come to you knowing that you are a God who hears us, And that you are a God who not only hears us, but you respond. And you can heal, and you can comfort, and you can provide that peace. And Lord, we ask that for the Vance family this morning. That you would just take away any pain, just provide comfort and peace for Pastor Dave and his family. They can just just rest in you. 
Lord, we pray that you'll be with the doctors and just help them to, to diagnose what's going on and be able to treat them and just to, to help them to get better. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who is active and living and that you have that ability and that you can do that, and we thank you for that. Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. So we are starting a brand new series this weekend called Uncommitted. And we're going to be talking about what it means to be uncommitted. But, but, so we meet in teaching team about every week, and I'm part of the teaching team there. And we were talking about this series of Uncommitted. And this is a series that's it's kind of a fun but tough series. Right? And so like, secretly, I, I kind of wanted to teach this weekend anyways, but certainly not under this context. But I, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to kind of work through the scriptures with you. But we're going to talk about this idea of, of uncommitted. And uncommitted is stuff like when you want to uncommit to something it can be tough because you know sometimes you just you've been doing something for so long or you've just been a part of it or it's it's kind of part of your identity and you know and sometimes it can be really tough to uncommit to certain things so this series is really designed to help us to uncommit to things that we want to uncommit to because if you can't uncommit to things that you want to uncommit to then you can't commit to things that you know you need to commit to and so we're going to kind of work through both the uncommitting and the committing side. What does that mean? What does that look like for us? Right? And uncommitting can be tough because it, sometimes it's messy. Or there's not really clear direction on how to uncommit from things. Right? And sometimes you're, you're just so invested in things that you feel like, well, I might as well just stick it out then. But there's actually, this is kind of a psychological phenomenon called sunken cost bias. And so what this, this is the idea that if I'm invested in something or if I'm like part of something, well, I'll just kind of stick it out because I'm already here, I'm already interested in it, I'm already a part of this, so I'll just, I'll just stay with it then. And so it, it kind of shows itself in different ways. A common way would be, you know, if you were to go to the store, you were to purchase something, maybe you know, a shirt or perhaps a shoes or clothes or whatever it may be, you bring it home, you take the tags off, you, you try it on, you realize this doesn't quite fit how you wanted it to fit. But you can't return it. And so you just kind of feel like obligated, you have to wear it every once in a while because you have it, and if you have it, you might as well wear it, and it's just kind of, it's that mindset. Or, or maybe, maybe you've ever turned on a movie or a TV show, and you sort of watch it, you don't really care for it, it's not really your thing, but it's on, you know, and the remote's like so far away, and it's just so hard to turn it off. And maybe, maybe that's, what, you know, for me and my wife, we don't get to watch a lot of TV together. Our, our schedules don't really line up where we can just kind of sit and watch TV as part of it. The other part is I'm in a stage of life right now where if I sit down and watch TV, there's a good chance I'm falling asleep. All right, some, some of you right there with me, that's all right. And so the other day we had a free night, and I was, I was not tired. It's like, all right, well, let's see, let's just watch a show. We don't get to watch a show together. Let's just watch a show. So we started flipping through the TV, trying to find something we like, and we found this new show. We had heard about it. We'd never seen it. So we thought, all right, well, let's turn it on. Let, let's see what it is. And the show was an absolute train wreck. Like, just ridiculous. And so, you know, we watched the entire episode because we didn't turn it off. But here's the premise of the show. It was called The Masked Singer. I don't know if you guys have heard about this. It's a new show that came on. And so the premise of the show is it's celebrities in mascot-like costumes, and they come out and they perform a song, and you're supposed to try and figure out who the celebrity is. And so at the end, whatever like, the worst performance was, that celebrity reveals themselves. And, you know, so the whole time we're trying to guess who the celebrity is. But the show is like ridiculous and like not fun, not really entertaining. But we watched an entire episode. And then we watched the second episode. Right? You just, you just feel like, well, I'm a part of it. I want to know. And like, I'm just, it's already part of my life, so here we go. All right? And so that's the premise of that, that sunken cost bias. 
right? Where we just feel like, well, it, it's always existed this way. It's, all, it's always been in my life. Like, th- this is part of who I am, so there, there's really no reason to get rid of it. And so this series, Uncommitted, it, it's really about uncommitting from things that have no real value in your life so you can then commit to things that will have eternal value. You'll find so often we just fill our lives up with things that we don't want to fill our lives up with, and then we're just stuck in that. And so uncommitted is all about uncommitting from those things that have no value in your life so that you can then commit to things that do have value in your life. So if you want to follow along this morning, we're going to be studying for the book of Luke, chapter 14. It's page 874 if you're using one of our Bibles. If you want to follow along and turn there, Luke, chapter 14. We're going to be talking about this, this great invitation. Right, this great invitation that's being presented there. And it reminds me of this story I heard uh, a few days ago about this young couple. They got engaged, and they were super excited to be engaged, but they made this decision to have an extravagant wedding. It's a wedding that no one will ever forget. You know, we want to have the best reception, the best food, the best drinks, the best band, the best whatever we want. We want it to be the very best. And in doing so, it became pretty expensive. Right? They found that the wedding cost was going to be about $25,000 for all of that stuff. But they said, this, this is going to be our day that nobody will forget. And they began planning and just finding the best thing and finding the best reception hall. But days before the wedding, the groom-to-be decided that this marriage was not for him and backed out. Now, certainly, there is a lot of, you know, emotional attachment, just confusion and questions and things that would surround that. But also, there was $25,000 invested in that. In fact, it was a 50% deposit. So about $12,500 were invested in this wedding so far. And so what was to be the bride-to-be decides, you know, I, I would like to get some of that money back. Like, I just don't want to waste it. We're not going to be there. And so she goes to the, the reception and kind of tells her story of what happened and kind of how things played out. They said, listen, we are days away. You have a, a kind of sought-after date. Like, we can't just refund your money because of this. Like, we're sorry, but the best we can give you is $2,000. So she was going to be out $10,000 and not have her wedding. And certainly just kind of wrestling with that and thinking about, well, what do you do? with you know, what, a, what a tough week, Right? And she kind of was just thinking, what, what can I do in this scenario? And she remembered there was a part of her life where she was not always that wealthy. In fact, she, she lived out of her car for a period of time. Spent some time at a homeless shelter. And, you know, for about a month or so, that, that was her life. And so she got this idea of, you know, what if I keep the reception hall, I keep everything, and I go and I invite people who would not normally be invited. So she went to the homeless shelters, domestic violence shelters, and gave them invitations to a party. Didn't explain the backstory, didn't say it was because her engagement was broke off or anything like that. Just invited them to a party. And so they got to come and they got to celebrate and have some of the best food they've ever had, danced with one of the best bands they've ever seen, and have a great night. And it, it's interesting Because they got to experience an invitation that they did not believe was possible. They got to have a moment in their lives that they felt like, you know, we don't deserve this. We didn't didn't really do anything for this. 
And so as we study the text today, I want you to kind of think with, with that kind of story in your mind about this invitation. So we're going to be reading from the book of Luke chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 15, but let me kind of catch you up as we're reading in the, the middle of a chapter here. In Luke 14, we see this interaction with Jesus and the Pharisees. Right? And when we see Jesus and the Pharisees in the New Testament, it is mainly kind of tension-filled. Right? Whenever we see these interactions, we see Jesus really trying to be tricked or trapped by the Pharisees. They wanted to prove that Jesus was not, in fact, who he said he was. And so they'd set up these scenarios to kind of trap him into doing something or trick him into saying something. So in Luke 14, they had invited Jesus over for a dinner party. Now, it wasn't just like a dinner party like where we would have just to catch up with friends. It was kind of a trap. And so upon arrival to the dinner party, there was a man outside who had a disease, and they wanted to see, would Jesus ignore the man with the disease because it was the Sabbath, or would he heal the man with the disease even though it was the Sabbath? And they thought, this is it. We've caught him. We've got him. Now is our time. And so they'd constantly plot these things against Jesus to try and trap him. And so what we're going to read is kind of his response to them. So in Luke chapter 14, verse 15 is where we're going to pick up. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city. Bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation, is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple." And so we're going to be talking about this idea of uncommitting from things that don't need to be in our lives. And we, we look through this story and we see that there's stories of hospitality in Luke 14. These differing stories of hospitality and how to care for people and in inviting people. But that, that last one we read is not necessarily completely about hospitality. The difference from that last story to the others is this one is more about humility and self-examination. 
counting the cost of being a disciple. And so that's what we're going to focus on. So as we study this text, I want that to kind of be your, your mindset of, of humility and self-examination. Because sometimes we fail to recognize the greatness of the invitation. Right? We see that in this text here. They failed to recognize the greatness of the invitation. And what happens in, is then you begin to give value to your excuses. You give value to your excuses. Right? And throughout that text, we see a variety of excuses. Work-related. You know, the guy wanted to go and, and examine his field after he purchased it. Kind of possessions-related. The guy wanted to go examine his oxen after he had purchased them. Relationships. He could not leave because he had just recently gotten married. And so we see these excuses, and what we see there is they begin to give value to their excuses. Really, any one of those that were mentioned could have been done at any time, but they said, right now, our excuses are taking precedence over this in our life. This is more valuable than that. And so th those categories really remain true for us today. Right? We use a similar line of excuses. We think of, we think of work. Now, we would not say, well, work is more valuable than this great invitation, but we may say things like, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm really busy right now. I don't think I'm able to, to be a part of this. I'm, just, I'm in a busy season. It's just a busy season at work. And, and can I tell you honestly, like, if you can't commit to what you need to commit to because you're in a busy season, it's going to lead to an even busier season. And sometimes our life is built upon the basis of busyness instead of healthiness. Where our goal is to be busy and not healthy. Our goal is to be busy and not following after God. And so there's a danger in, in living that busyness lifestyle where you're too busy to do what needs to be done. The second category we see is possessions or maybe even hobbies. And in our culture, we walk a very fine line between hobbies and idols. Right? Where something that is, is designed to give you recreation or fun or enjoyment is used in excess, used in more than it's needed to, and it consumes your life, and all of a sudden your life is all about having fun and not about following God. Or we see relationships. Now, relationship excuses come in all shapes and sizes. Right? Depending on what stage of relationship you're in, kind of depends on what type of excuse you have. You know, if you're a newlywed, a common excuse could be, well, you know, we just, we really want to focus on each other. We just want to spend time. We're not going to commit to anything right now. We're just, we're just going to focus on each other. Or if you're new parents, parents of a new, well, we're just going to focus on our, our baby right now. He's our precious angel, and we're just going to focus on him, and that's going to be your life. And then you get to a stage where it's like, well, I have a lot of kids, and we're just, we're so busy. Like, we don't have time for anything. It's, we have all these schedules that we have to adapt to, and all the, we're, we're just really busy with all the kids. But then the kids move out, empty nesters. Well, you know, we're, we're tired, and we're just going to kind of focus on ourselves and rest and kind of relax. And You can find an excuse for whatever you want to find an excuse for. You can, whatever stage of life, you can make an appropriate excuse of, here's our excuse of why we're not going to do it. Sometimes you just have to commit to figuring out a way to making it work. That if it needs to be a priority, if it needs to be a commitment, your commitment needs to be then to make it happen. Right? We use excuses. Excuses are really just kind of acknowledging a mistake of a decision that has been made. Or an excuse is trying to cover up why a mistake was made. 
And you can be creative with your excuses. You can make excuses of why you don't want to do something, why you do want to do something. There's all sorts of excuses. You can kind of dream up your wildest excuse and try and make it work for you. In fact, a common area where people use excuses is, is calling off work, where they'll call their boss and they'll just give ridiculous excuses. I did a little research. I will tell you my research came directly from the internet. It's probably true, who knows. But I found some ridiculous reasons people have called off work. So could you imagine, if you were a boss, someone calls you with this excuse. Uh, hey, hey boss, um, yeah, my arm uh, got stuck in the blood pressure machine at Kroger, uh, so I'm not gonna be able to make it in today. Sorry about that. Or, or another one, hey, hey boss, um, I couldn't come to work today. I uh, accidentally got on a plane, and so I'm not going to make it in. Apparently, they, I'm on the wrong flight. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how that one happens. That's, that's strange. Or, or this one. Hey, hey, boss. Um, I'm going to tell you. This one's weird before I even tell you. Like, this is just a weird one. It doesn't make sense, but whatever. Hey, boss. Uh, yeah, somebody came to my house and glued my windows and doors shut, and I can't get out. What? What? Or one more, one more. Hey, boss, um, yeah, I woke up in a really good mood today, and uh, I don't want to ruin that, so I'm not coming in. <laughs> right? We, we can make up excuses for anything. We can make up all kinds of excuses. Right? We can dream up any kind of excuse. And it's easy for us to look at the foolishness of those excuses, like, oh, wow, like, that's ridiculous. Like, you're, you're trying to make, make that your excuse. You're trying to value this. Even in the scripture, it's easy to look, oh, like, that was your excuse? Like, it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't they're going to go look at oxen after he purchased them? Like, that doesn't make sense. It's easy for us to look at those excuses like, okay, like this, this doesn't really make sense to me. These are kind of foolish excuses. But remember, Luke 14 is not necessarily about listing excuses as much as it is about humility and self-examination. So it's easy for us to look at the excuses of others and think, how foolish are your excuses? But what if we looked at our own lives? What if we looked at some of those foolish excuses we've given before? Where we said, we value this over this. And we've stated that. And that was our excuse. And see, what happens is that we begin to hold on to things we perceive to be greater commitments. Right? We hold on to these things. And think, this, is, this is valuable. This is going to really pay off in the end. And the reason is, those excuses that you dream up, as you continue to use them, those excuses become your lifestyle. The excuses that you make become the lifestyle of what you live. And then those excuses really reveal your desires, your values. And then we see our desires drive our commitments. Our desires will drive our commitments. This is how we end up committing to things is based upon our desires. And then we see the inverse is also true. Our commitments will demonstrate our desires. Right? So you can look at your life and see where your commitments lie to figure out what your desires are. That's what you've given precedence to in your life. And so really it brings us to a question, then, to that part of self-examination. Do your current commitments truly matter in eternity? Do your commitments have any eternal value attached to them. Right? In the scripture, it, it used the phrase, count the cost. Gave examples of, of building a tower. 
and to, to think about the resource that would be required, the people that would be required. Do you have enough to complete the building of the tower? Or there was another example of the, the strategy of war. If you're severely outmatched, severely outnumbered, it may not be the best time to go to war. To count the cost. Right? Is, is it going to be worth it? Are you willing to put forth the cost? The difficulty becomes, though, we don't really know the cost. Right? We don't have kind of a plan of what's going to happen in our life if we're going to be willing to do it or not do it. So what is the If we're supposed to count the cost, how do you count the cost? And there, there's words in Luke chapter 14 that kind of give an indication of what the cost is. But also there's a parable in Matthew I want to share with you that I think not only gives you the cost, but answers the question, is it worth it? In Matthew 13, 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Right, we see the common phrase in Luke chapter 14 and in Matthew is the word all. The cost is all. But what we also see is that it's worth it. The reward of paying the cost of all is far greater than we could ever imagine. And so we ask ourselves, is it worth it? And if, it's, if we believe it's worth it, of paying that cost, what do we do? What's the next step then? And really we see, in order to commit to Christ, I must uncommit. Now this is where it gets a little messy, because uncommitting from things is difficult. Uncommitting from things is, is tough. There's not like a specific plan of, the, this is how you uncommit from this, this is how you uncommit from this, this is how you do it. Uncommitting from things, it, it can be difficult. Like I, I can remember, in sixth grade, I was on a baseball team. Now, when, when Pastor Dave is up here and he shares baseball stories, he is a fantastic baseball player, a, all sorts of accolades, played collegiate baseball, all of that. My baseball stories differ just a little bit, mainly because mine stop right around sixth grade, because I do not like baseball, right? I, I was on the baseball team, and I, I really don't like baseball. It was long, they are long games, and it is hot, and they are boring, and I do not like playing baseball, let alone watching baseball. But I'm on the sixth grade baseball team, our team is not that good, I'm thinking to myself, how can I get out of this team? How can I get away from this commitment? There's no real idea that comes to mind, so I'm just like, well, I'll just suffer through this season and end up hating baseball all the more. But then at school one day, we had kind of a special presentation. And in this special presentation, it was a, a kind of a, a video about a pitcher, a major league baseball pitcher, pitcher named Dave Dravecki. Now, I don't know if you know the name. If you don't know the name, don't Google the name, all right? Because what you will find is a video of him pitching, and what happens is he's pitching. He's a great baseball pitcher, but one day he was pitching, and he goes to pitch, and his arm snaps as he releases it, like actually breaks. And you can see his arm just kind of dangle there. Now, I'm in, yeah, some of you are making that noise in face, like, whoa, why are you talking about this right now? I saw this in sixth grade. I'm not sure why I saw it. But nonetheless, I saw it. And you can see, like, he goes to the ground in pain. He's, he's really hurt. People rush out to him, and he's obviously in a lot of pain. It's just a terrible sight to see. It's kind of a crazy video. And so I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. This guy's not playing baseball. 
And so I'm pitching the next game. And so I, I get up there, and I, I hate it. Like I, you know, if I throw strikes, the other team hits it. My team can't catch, so it ends up scoring a bunch of runs. If I walk, it's like the most boring thing ever. Like just throw it outside. It's, I, I hate baseball. So boring. And so I'm on the team. I'm pitching. I'm like, all right. I can look in. I see my catcher giving me a sign. It doesn't really matter because I can only throw like one style of pitch anyways. So I reach back, and I think, like, all right, I'm done playing baseball. So I pitch it, and as soon as I throw it, I just grab my shoulder. I just kind of wince in pain, like, ah, ah, I kind of yell a little bit. I go down, I'm just, oh, man, oh. Now, I'm fine, just so you know. Like, in the moment, I'm fine, but also, I hate baseball. And so the coaches come out there, and like, oh, what happened? Like, oh, like, I like begin to, like, self-diagnose myself as a sixth grader. Like, oh, I think I popped my shoulder out. Probably like a season-ending, no, career-ending injury for baseball. And it's like, okay, well, like, let's, let's sub them out. And so I go, and then I realize the, like, the error of my mistake. So I go, and I sit in the dugout, and now I realize, you know what I hate more than playing baseball? Is watching baseball. And so now I have to sit in the dugout and just watch baseball. And I, I realize, you know, mine's kind of a foolish example of things we will do to try and uncommit from things. But the fact is, is it's difficult. It's difficult to uncommit from things that you think is part of your life. It's difficult to uncommit from things that, this is part of who I am. It's difficult to uncommit to things that you believe is your identity. But just because it's difficult, there's not enough reason to stick with it. Right? We have to get ourselves to the point that if it's difficult, that's okay. Because it's worth it. Count the cost. It will be worth it. Even though it's difficult, it will be worth it. And so as we kind of study through this and think through this, you know, we often think of things we can uncommit from. I can uncommit from this. I could stop doing this. I could remove myself from this. And we come up with a list of things that we can uncommit ourselves from, which is good, which is fine, but there's a warning attached to that. If you start with uncommitting from things, you will eventually find yourself in a similar situation months down the road of where you've loaded up your, your life, your schedule, your stuff, with things you didn't really want to commit to, because you didn't really go after the heart of the issue, you just went after kind of the byproduct. See, the heart of the issue of why we commit to things we don't really want to commit to is really pride. It's really kind of self-centeredness, is why we commit to things we don't want to commit to. Right? We think, well, I, I know what's best. I, I've got a pretty good idea of how this can go. I, I know. In fact, the book of Proverbs provides continual warnings of different types of pride in our lives and the damage it can do. Right? That, that attitude of selfishness or self-centeredness. In Proverbs 21, 25, it says, The craving of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. Right? This is kind of th that entitled attitude of, I don't need to do what the Bible says I need to do. I don't need to do what God says I need to do. Whatever I say is fine. Whatever I think is fine. I'll take it from here. Thanks. Or there's kind of this, this argumentative pride, Proverbs 13.10. Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Right? That, that pride says, I don't, I don't need guidance from anyone else. I don't need help from anyone else. I want you to know my opinion, and after that, I'm good. I don't need anything else. Or, or boastful pride. You just have to feel like you have to glorify yourself. When you talk, you're going to glorify yourself. Proverbs 27.2 says, Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. That when you speak, you're looking to glorify yourself. You want people to know of the great works that you have done. Forget God. Let me tell you about what I have done. 
But then there's this kind of big warning in Proverbs that kind of encompasses all the pride. In 16, 18, it says, uh, The pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before the fall. Right, so Proverbs is full of these warnings about pride. And I would encourage you, if this resonates with you, if this is something you struggle with, something you're kind of wrestling with, to continue to do like a, a word study on pride and similar words found in the book of Proverbs. But don't just f- focus on the words of pride and arrogance and self-centeredness. Look at the warnings that are attached to them. Because there are some very, very dangerous warnings that if you don't do this, this will happen. And so if that's something you're wrestling with, maybe spend some time just studying through that, kind of working through that in the book of Proverbs. Because if you don't, if we don't uncommit from pride, we find ourselves just being motivated by selfish desires. And self wins. And whatever I want, I want. Whatever I feel is fine. And that's the life I'm going to live. And so the first thing we really need to uncommit from is pride. And then once you do that, When God becomes your greatest desire and not you, when God becomes our greatest desire, our commitments will fall into their proper place. When God becomes our greatest desire, our commitments will fall into the proper place. As we look at the excuses that were given in Luke, they're they're not bad things. Work, hobbies, relationships, those are not bad things. Those are things, resources, opportunities we've been given to serve others with. But what tends to happen is we use that vehicle to serve others with, and we don't serve others with it. We use it to glorify ourselves. So if you do not uncommit from that selfish, prideful attitude, you use those things to glorify yourself. And so first we have to understand what it means to uncommit from pride. And then we can begin to look at these things and realize that God has given us work as a means to reach other people. And in fact, I heard the statistic the other day, 71% of employees in the United States are unchurched. What a large mission field that would be. That if you begin to think of your workplace as the mission field. Students, the same thing. High school, college students, that if you begin to view your campus as a mission field, and you saw the people you interacted with as a chance to serve them and share with them and care for them, How might that change your campus or your workplace? And to be able to understand the perspective of what we've been given. Work, hobbies, those are not bad things. Those are resources we've been given to reach others with. But sometimes we get distracted. Our goal really needs to be, we should be driven by an unending dedication to glorifying God. An unending dedication to glorifying God and an unstoppable love for people of the kingdom. Right? That you're willing to care for whoever, however, whatever God has put in front of you. You're willing to do that. That whatever situation may arise, whether it's at work, whether it's at school, whether it's at home, wherever it may be, you have an unending dedication to glorifying God in your response. And think about the difference that would make in the lives of the people around you as they see you respond in such a manner. And so is this easy? No, that's why the cost is all. Right? It's it's difficult. It will not be easy to do so. But it will be worth it to do so. So I would encourage you, as as we wrap up today, to, to wrestle with this a little bit, to think about this. 
Is it worth it to you? Are you willing to have the cost be all? Where everything about your life is centered on God. And if it's not, if there's things in your life that have no eternal value, are you willing to uncommit from it? Would you stand with me as we pray together? Lord, we thank you that we have a chance to be here this morning. We thank you for a chance to worship who you are and what you've done. Lord, our prayer this morning is a prayer of courage. Courage for those of us who have things in our life that we need to uncommit from. Things that have no eternal value and are more of a distraction. Lord, give us the courage to uncommit from those things, to get rid of those things. Lord, maybe for those who have not only a distraction, maybe there's sinful things in our life right now that it's time to uncommit from. It's been in our life long enough. It's time to take a stand. It's time to flee that sin, to get rid of that sin. Lord, help us have the courage to make that decision. Lord, maybe there are those in the room who are considering this cost, that price of all, the entire life is given to you. Relationships, work, hobbies, conversations, thoughts, Lord, they're all given to you. And our goal is to glorify you in everything. Lord, I pray for courage for those people to take that stand. To uncommit for what needs to be uncommitted from. And to focus on what truly matters in life. To fill their life with commitments that have eternal value that will change people, will change the lives of people. Lord, we pray for the courage to make those decisions. Lord, we pray for guidance. Uncommitting from things we know is hard, it's difficult. Lord, give us guidance on how to do it, how to uncommit from something in a Christ-honoring way. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together.